Well, welcome to The Walrus and the Carpenter. My name is Jason Alligood. I'm the teaching pastor of Fellowship Bible Church in Peoria, Illinois. And with me, as always, is the cheerful Gary Gear, who is the pastor of Calvary Baptist Bible Church, which we're going to emphasize Baptist in that in the next interview, um, and uh, also here in Peoria, Illinois. And uh, Gary, I have no concern with how you're doing today. That's that's good. I'm glad you don't care. I was going to talk about the concert last night, but obviously, you know, watching Nick Lowe being backed up by a bunch of big guys dressed as luchadors playing surf rock, it was an incredible experience. Well, that sounds great, man. It, it was. It was. And they played the black and and they played the Batman theme while wearing Riddler jackets. Oh. They got they got super creative. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. It's like you know, th- th- this is America. This is what we do in America. <laughs> well, the reason I didn't ask you how you're doing is because you told me last time that you get to ask me that. How yes, I'm doing, you know, and, so. and, and Jason, I am concerned. How are you doing? I'm I'm getting over a cold. You 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 do look a little on the rough side. That's typical, though. You do look on the rough side. Yeah. Speaking of on the rough side, what time did you get in this morning? About two thirty, man. <laughs> but but you only slept till nine. You told me so. Yeah. That's pretty good. Well, hey, for a guy who's almost fifty, that's that's not too bad. That's not that's not too bad. <laughs> but but I can't do it the way I used to, man. This is killing me. So now this this. Um, Concert, this Nick Lowe concert was yeah. a gift, wasn't it? Yeah, actually, a friend, and believe it or not, I've been working with him with some uh, different things, and he and I are friends. And and uh, he's like, "Hey, you know, Nick Lowe's in town. You want to come? I'll buy you tickets." Like, cool. That's great. So we went down and uh, went to Del Mar Hall, and uh, uh, it, it's funny when you're one of the youngest people <laughs> in, in 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 the room in the venue, and uh, watching people in their sixties and seventies bopping around around you. That's uh, sure. It's beautiful and humbling and all kind of strange at the same time. <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. I'm, uh, that's my old stomping grounds down there in St. Louis. Which venue was it? Uh, Del Mar, Del Mar Hall. Oh, Del Mar Hall. I'm not yeah. familiar with that one actually. I mean, I know where the Del Mar Loop is, but I didn't because know. Because you're about... probably not cool enough. I am not. I, I'm that's sorry. certainly okay. that's certainly true. I did not hang out in the Del Mar Loop. Uh, where all the cool cats hang out in St. Louis, and so. they and they had a Vietnamese steakhouse, which I've never heard of before. I've not eaten there, but I walked past it. I thought, you know, interesting. Like a Vietnamese steakhouse. I wonder what that's like. I, I mean, you and I have both eaten at Vietnamese restaurants, right. and there's one in St. Louis I've eaten at, and one here in Peoria, right. but I've never heard of a yeah a Vietnamese steakhouse. Interesting. Yes. All right. Did you see pie? The famous pizza place down there in the Del Mar Loop? No, I did not. Okay, okay. That, now, that's, now, now, what makes it famous? Well, the the I think the most famous thing about it is that uh, President Obama, when he came to St. Louis, that's where he went and ate. And then I think he used our tax dollars to fly the guy out to the White House to have him make a a, a pizza. So you don't sound resentful at all. <laughs> Hey, it is good, it is good pizza. I will give them okay. that. It is good pizza. But all right, man. Uh, anyway, well, you have our topic for today. Um, well, I guess I'll start off by asking you a question. Okay, um, that sounds fair. Okay, <laughs> what does a child need to understand in order to enter into saving faith in Christ? That they are one of the elect from before the foundation of the world. <laughs> wow. Wow, you're going to go there right off the bat. <laughs> no, I'm. I uh, no, re- the Reformation is this week. We're celebrating. That's right. Yes, that's but. right. No, yeah, I, that's a great question, um, and certainly one that uh, as pastors we've wrestled with, and um, as uh, parents we've wrestled with, maybe even more uh, directly. Um, yeah, I think you know, First Corinthians 15 comes to mind um, as the essentials of the gospel that. 
You know, we're sinners. Jesus died in our place, um, um, and that uh, we must uh, believe on him in his death, burial, and resurrection as the means by which God saves us. They are sinners, and um, they need to be redeemed. Now, we can talk in that language um, and understand more concretely or more abstractly, I guess I should say, what that means. Um, but uh, I would say it has to be the same as at least at a whatever level of cognition they can have as what anybody would understand the gospel to be. Um, so uh, are we ready to close up the program? <laughs> no. Thank you. You've answered all my questions, Jason. Wow. I'm going to go take a yeah. nap now. No, yeah. So... <laughs> So uh, I'd be curious to hear, well, no, hear I, your I, answer. This is part of the larger question as far as um, salvation mm-hmm. and spirituality when it comes to children themselves. Uh, right. I, I ask it from several angles. Of course, being a parent myself of several children, I know you you have uh, the same, uh, I'm going to say, the same conditions. Like mm-hmm. You have a rash or something. I've got kids. I'm going to spit my cream, coffee, you know. <laughs> Sorry, Joan and Karis and, and Opry, you know, that's yeah. the way that we talk about you guys. Um, but uh, we there's so many tensions there mm-hmm. when you're looking at church history and looking at things like, for instance, baptism, sure. sanctification. I mean, even while you were talking and laying out the basics of the Gospels laid out in 1 Corinthians 15, my mind started going to other passages where Christ talks about counting the cost Mm -hmm. or being aware of Mm -hmm. what commitment to Christ. And we would have no problem in confronting an adult with that, right? saying these are things you must understand. Yeah. Do we need to have the same conversation with children? Yes, yeah. And I, I think at the level of their understanding, we do need to have that. Um, Do you think a child can be at a point where they simply are incapable of understanding some of that? And I'm talking in terms of developmental psychology. I'm talking in terms of... And, and yet and still that. grasp the fact that they're a sinner in need of a Savior? Possibly. I, yeah. Again, it's yeah. it's it's a somewhat... Yeah. I, it's a, well, of course it is a complex question. Right, right. Yeah. No, and I think, I think to whatever... And again, so that brings in the issue of um, knowing the child... In some ways, too, and this clearly we're talking from a human perspective because I do believe that the elect will be saved. Um, however, you want to take elect, and I know how you take it. I'm speaking to our audience when I say that, but, um, but yeah, I mean, certainly from a human perspective, understanding who the child is, I'm dealing with because um, developmentally, they could be at a, a far greater level at an earlier age than others, and so yeah, I think you have to take into account those kinds of things, and and. That that that's a whole broad spectrum of discipleship in regard to parenting as well too, um, because the the reaction I think that most people are going to have to this is hey if you tell a kid to you know ask Jesus into his heart and they do that they're saved you know versus the idea of it being more complex than that. Well, I, I would I, and maybe the term complex. I know I'm the one who who brought that up earlier. I again I I look at it. We, when we look at adults versus children, mm-hmm. we do have to acknowledge that they both need the same elements of the gospel in mm-hmm. order to come to Christ. Mm-hmm. And yet we do acknowledge there's a qualitative difference. And there's issues right. that, that, that come up. For yes. instance, 
Uh, in fact, the friend who took me to the uh, the concert, or I, I asked him about this somewhat and uh, told him we'd be discussing it. And uh, I asked him what what did he think about it, and he felt. And if I'm if I'm misquoting you, Jay, please please forgive me because you know I was falling asleep while we were talking. <laughs> <laughs> Story of my life, right? <laughs> um, but he 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 was one who had made a profession of faith in an early age, but it wasn't until he was older, and I forget the exact age. I want to say he was in college, just out of college. I think it was while he was still in college. He he made the connection in his mind with submission to Christ to the mm-hmm. gospel itself, and he realized, you know, mm-hmm. I do want to know Jesus. And mm-hmm. he believes that that's when he actually became a believer at that point. And he said something very interesting about being a kid and coming to Christ. He said that he felt like he was gypped. He felt like he was uh, huh. uh, sold a bill of goods. Interesting. And part of it has to do with a culture. Yeah that just expects you to become yeah. a believer. And that's true too. And I think that's why you see just, and I mean this in the broadest sense, a lot of kids that grow up in Christian homes who make professions of faith early and their parents wonder why they've wandered off later on in life yes. and they're 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 holding to uh, an early profession, which could or could not be true. And that's why sanctification is such an important aspect right. of the whole salvation package, if I could well, put, put it that way. Part of it really ties in with how the parents look at the gospel, which I, I think yeah. that, that, that you're saying. Indeed. And, so, and a thought popped in my mind in regard to that as you were talking. Okay. It's funny to me that the people who would grasp so... Uh, firmly onto a young age profession would also be the same people who say, if a kid dies before they're 12, that's the age of accountability and they're for sure in heaven. Well, that seems antithetical to me in some ways. I would agree. It, it, it is contradictory, which brings up another question, and I think we can both answer this, and it's a very uncomfortable answer. Why do parents want kids to be saved? Mm, yeah, I mean... I mean, let, let's really get down to it. Yeah, Why do parents... Escape, escaping hell. Or I will see my child again. in heaven. Right. Yeah. I will see my child yeah. again if something happens to them. Right. I, I think it isn't a bad thing, but I think it often trumps the idea of I want my child to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Right. Perfect. Perfect uh, um, wording there because it is it jumps the whole sanctification process then. Yeah. Uh, uh, as part of what God is doing in us and in, in conforming us to the image of Christ. Um, which you know, thank you, Billy Sunday. You know, kind of mentality. That's that's what's been pushed, Finney type. Right. You know, theology. Um, and, and well, let me ask you this because this is a, something that just popped in my head. Is there value in less than trying to get a profession of faith from a child, catechizing them in some way? I'm not saying using a specific catechism, but but teaching them the faith. New city baby. Yeah. <laughs> You know, teaching them the faith from an early age, and 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 you know, from a, you know, we're we're reformed here, but seeing what God would do with that, I you bring up an interesting point, which kind of ties into another big can of worms we're about to open, and I think you've already thought about that a bit. Um, the difference between a covenant and dispensational view mm. of children, because the covenant view holds to the fact. That a child can be part of the covenant and yet not be a believer, right? And I, except for a covenantal Baptist, yeah. Um, well, I, 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 I well, explain what you mean. I, I mean, maybe like I'm not particular Baptists, sixteen eighty nine Baptists would okay. not hold that because they wouldn't baptize babies. Okay. Their, their view of the covenant is um, the the covenant of grace occurs in the new covenant. So okay, yeah. Um, but 
in fact, talking to a Presbyterian acquaintance of mine, and this was several months back at an open house, and it was a strange sort of conversation. But he 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 said, you know, I have I have my covenant family, mm-hmm. and why do they have to be baptized in order to be part of your church? And a lot of his kids are very very young. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, technically they really can't be considered believers until they make that profession. You cannot right. make that formal. Well, they're, right. they're part of the covenant family still. Right, right. And, and, and this idea that it gives them by virtue of birth or – like, for, for instance, you know that I do foster care. Right. Does, and does that mean when I bring a child, a, a foster child, right. that they're now part of the covenant family? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. It, what is that? Yeah, how do you – how yeah. does that fit? But, but going back to the bigger picture, I think – the covenant um, structure provides more security for people mm. in the fact they're thinking, okay, at least I've done as much as I could from the very beginning by sprinkling water on this child mm-hmm. and looking at this child this way. You know, God will apply some sort of grace to my child's life that he mm-hmm. otherwise would not have done, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I struggle with that biblically right, right, I mean, right. on, on yeah. so many levels. Right, right, um, right. I, I, I do know there's one family, uh, and, and the father can confess to me that while he himself did not believe in covenant salvation or baptismal regeneration, it was he wanted his child to be baptized as soon as possible. This is when the child's like nine or, or ten and made a profession of faith. He wanted to be that child be baptized as soon as possible mm-hmm. in order that they might feel safe mm-hmm. about the child. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I've had uh, similar instances of things happening um, I, I, so without, you know, I don't, I don't believe in covenant Presbyterianism, but there is that interesting verse in first Corinthians seven that says, otherwise your children wouldn't be clean un- right. or your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are, they are holy or set apart. I do think that there is a sense in which without buying into circumcision equals baptism, there is a sense in which from a providential perspective that kids that are in believing homes um, are under uh, that sanctification work, even though they themselves are not born again or sanctified. Um, And, you know, just from a – then from the human side of that argument that there is a better, quote-unquote, chance that they would become believers, if I could put it that way, right. is, is interesting to me. Well, the idea of, I think, being holy in that context, too, and I believe this ties in what you're saying, the idea that it's more of a ceremonial, mm-hmm. not... Cleanliness. It, it, is, it, yeah. it is not a functional holiness. Right, exactly. No, it can't be. No. Because they haven't been regenerated yet, and that's right. where my argument would come in with the with the with with our dear... Presbyterian friends. Um, <laughs> and you notice how we like throw really nice adjectives at the beginning. <laughs> Our dear, you know, dear quote unquote, dear right. kind, gracious. Right. But if, if and, and I have a friend who I know is going to listen to this and is going to want to argue about it, but if you're saying that your child is saved, justified by that that baptism, I've got a real problem with that, right? Biblically, and, I will say most Presbyterians don't hold. It. No, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, yeah, I would yeah, that, that yeah. is not their position. Yeah, but they start parsing. Some of my friends will start parsing words and say, "Well, they are a Christian, but they're not born again." And you know, some of these things, I really get uncomfortable with that. Well, it's the same thing when we discussed before. You can be 
part of the covenant family, not be a believer. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, wait a second. When you look at the covenant, right, right. It, it's yeah. pretty much yeah. a family that's only created catastrophically through the death and resurrection of Christ. Right. How can you have someone who's part of that family who's not had right. the gospel applied to their lives? Right, right, right. Which, which is, by the way, why 1689 uh, Federalists would say there is no... Um, there is a sense of the covenant of grace that comes at the new covenant because you need that fully regenerative work after the cross. Not that it's not fully regenerative previous to the cross, but but you know what I'm saying. There's something new in the new covenant, and so I'm not. I need to dig into that. That sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah, but but uh, uh, the the book that I mentioned that Todd Pruitt yelled at me for uh, handles that by uh, uh, Jeffrey Johnson. Okay, the fatal flaw. Okay. Oh, that's right. That was on Twitter, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was ninety nine cents, I think, that day or something. So uh, now you're gonna have to pay ten bucks for it. <laughs> that's okay, man, because I'm willing to pay more for the truth. Yeah, that's right than so, I am. Yeah, I wait for the cheap deals. That's right. That's right. I, I, I have this commitment to what's real. But go go going back to the question, I, I think um there 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 has to be this understanding that the greatest thing we can do for our children, um is is not to make them safe, right? But for them to know Christ. Yes. Now, yeah. What do you do now? What do you do about the age of salvation itself, or even when the church uh, recognizes that? Now, in Baptist history, and I, I do know this fairly well because I, I, I dug through this a while back and caught my eye. Baptist churches a hundred years ago, they would not accept a profession of faith under the age of thirteen, fourteen years old. Yeah, and I think I think Dever pushes it even higher. Yeah, I think, I think eight, he's like eighteen. It's, it's, yeah. it's eighteen, and they won't do baptism. Yeah. I, I don't know if I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, I'm uncomfortable with it ultimately because I think if a if a child without the prompting of their parents can give a clear profession of faith, um, you know, I, I think it's um, Alistair Begg in his sermon on, on baptism who said that if they had if they had baptized Simon Magus um, and uh, Peter declares him as an unbeliever, for lack of better terms, would not you have baptized Simon had he come to the Lord later? And I think, yes, you would have, because that first one is invalid. Now, right. again, our Presbyterian friends would disagree with that because of their understanding of baptism, but um, I think, I've been, I mean, not that this makes the case, but I've been baptized twice, because, you know, I was five years old, and I made a profession of faith, which was essentially raising my hand, because I didn't want to go to hell. That was that was the gospel the presentation, thing, yeah. you know, and I mean, it was like the next week I was in the baptismal waters, and so, um, you know, uh, but I was baptized again, actually, in my 20s, because I'd, I actually came to faith when I was 16, I believe, so... And I, I felt like my baptism was not real. So, but I, I, I do think that there is a need for a bit of caution in that. You know, I'm not going to interview um, a young, you know, person eight nine years old with their parents in the room prompting them. Right. You know, I won't do it alone either. There'll be another elder in there, but you know, I, I don't want somebody coaching them through. Remember, you, you 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 bowed your head and you closed your eyes and you said this little prayer. No, they need to know what what is the gospel. And so that, to me, is the answer to the first question you asked, which is if somebody can't articulate back to me the gospel, right. how could they understand it to believe it? And it's not about praying a prayer, which I think both of us would, would agree a prayer is a point of accountability, but, right. but the prayer is not Salvific. an incantation. Right, right. You know. And the, the, the prayer itself is not what saves us. Right, right. Yeah. Um now going the, the, 
it's interesting you mentioned having to get baptized twice. My wife went through the same thing, and uh, she grew up in a, in a pastor's home, and she knew she'd made a profession of faith when she was younger. Everybody who's baptized twice is a real quirk Christian, by the way. So. Okay, as long as you get that down. <laughs> um, but I, I remember I made a profession of faith at six, but I was not baptized until I was nine. Uh-huh. Uh, my young, was that purposeful? I think it was purposeful on mm-hmm. the behalf of the pastor, mm-hmm. uh, wanting to make sure that I knew what I was talking about. Yeah. Um, my my daughter made a profession of faith around 10, but she didn't want to become baptized mm-hmm. because of shyness and other things. And I, some may consider me wrong on this, but I did not really consider her necessarily a believer at that point. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until she approached me and she goes, Dad, I, I want to get baptized. I want to testify, you know, mm-hmm. of Christ. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, all yeah. right. And we didn't push it at, at all at that point. I think some of the struggle, too, and, this, and that's great. I'm really glad to hear you say that because I think some of the struggle is this idea of a particular type. Yes. You know, it has to be this point in time. You have to write down your Bible. Right, right. <laughs> you know, And I can't tell you a date or anything like that of when I was born again. I can tell you. It was very clear in my mind that I was not born again, that I needed to repent of my sins and trust in Christ alone, and I I had not done that. Um, uh, But, you know, I think it's this idea that there has to be a time, and, you know, I love what one of my friends says, uh, my friend Doug Hayward says, when somebody makes a profession of faith, faith, he says, we'll see. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, well, in, in, in looking through, in fact, I read through several surveys before we, we came. I actually did actual research this time. Fantastic. Talk, I know. It's, this is a big change, man. Um, for one thing, the majority of believers become believers before they're 14 years old. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, there's a lot of those who do the devil profession of faith thing. Sure. So there's that. Yeah. Um, so those, those elements are there too, but it also talks about how there's a lot of churches, and this is to Dever's point somewhat in what you just recently said, that say, we aren't going to baptize you until we can see credible evidence Mm -hmm. that you're a believer. What do you think about that? It's very Anabaptist, actually, uh, ultimately. Uh, That's how the Anabaptists practice baptism. In fact, a lot of people would say that you and I are are uh, children of the, of Anabaptists were really more children of English Baptists right, than Anabaptists. Yes, exactly. Because the Anabaptists would say there needed to be, and this is what the AC practices, as I'm not sure about Mennonite and, and those, but I know the AC says a year. There's like yeah. a year time between, and there's all these you know testimonies and tests that, that you have to go through in order to prove that you're, you've been born again. Okay, but what do you think about that? Oh, I, I, I think it's unnecessary. In my own opinion, I, I think that if somebody makes a, a clear profession of faith, articulating the gospel back to me, I ought to baptize them. They, the, the, the apostles didn't wait on the day of Pentecost. Oh, I would agree. I, I, w- I would say the only caveat I would put there is to make sure the person understood what baptism was about. And that's right, and I that's mean, right. Well, once, yeah, yeah. once I knew they yeah. understand what baptism was right. for, yep. then, and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the cost to be a disciple, okay. Then yeah, and, and, I, and I think that that is something clear in, A, what Peter says on the day of Pentecost, that there there is a cost here. Right. Um, and the men understood the cost, you know, what, what, what must you be saved? We've, we've denied Christ, now we want to affirm and follow Christ. Um, and in that culture, baptism was the natural, quote unquote, natural thing to do when you're changing positions. So, I, th- right. I think the understanding piece is very important. And so, you know, I wouldn't do it the same day necessarily, but because of the issue of, you know, now I think you know, this baptism is what 
seals me or whatever, I, I think there needs to be a better understanding. No. That, that's a bit cultural. No, I would I would definitely agree with that. Um, and it, it 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 it's easy to go to either extreme mm-hmm. if you're not careful. I, I think part of it, again, something we mentioned earlier, ties in with how do parents look at their kids. Mm-hmm. And understand that ultimately your child, yes, is your child, but they're your brother and potential brother and sister in Christ, right? Which is more weight mm-hmm. than whether or not your child is safe, and you'll see them. Yeah, because you will not be their quote unquote parent when we right. get to glory. You in will the be the kingdom, brother. Right. The new kingdom is brother and sister in Christ, and so those sentimental reasons fall flat when we understand the reason for regeneration, the reason for salvation, and it being the glory of God, ultimately. Yeah, that's, and, that's what glory is about. Yeah. Well, it it also lays down... When I talked with someone once, I had a conversation with somebody, and they said, you know, you're always talking about how we as believers need to make disciples, make disciples. Well, I make disciples by discipling my kids. Mm-hmm. Those are the people who I'm called to, that mm-hmm. God's calling me to witness to. Mm-hmm. And I really disagreed with that. Mm-hmm. Not the fact that he is called, but... His children are impacted by how mm. he see how they see him interacting with other yep, people outside right. of them. Yeah, yeah. So it's a yes and. Like, yeah, yeah. certainly yeah, God yeah, has that, given you that true. stewardship, exactly. but more. Yes, I mean, if I were to say, you know, to my congregation, God only called me to give the gospel to my four kids, and mm-hmm. my wife. Yeah, I I think they'd be very distraught. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and they would be right to, to yes, do that. Yeah. very very yeah. much so at that uh, point. I, yeah, I think. That's true. A lot of this ties back into the idolatry of the child. Mm, yep. Um, yeah. The idolatry. And I, I say this as a parent whose kids have been in risky situations and and bad things have happened to them. And it, mm-hmm. I, I understand the fear. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yet I, I have to look at my children the way God defines them and not the way I wish that I could define them. Right, right. So let's just – let me throw a scenario out there in, and then – give some qualifiers. Um, if my child makes a profession of faith when they're five years old and they die before um, they mature in their mind to the point where they can start grasping some of these more abstract concepts, is my confidence in their profession or is my confidence in God? And that confidence have to be in God. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the point is that my confidence is not in something that my child does, but in the God who saves. Whether they said the right words or not. Right. Yeah. My confidence isn't, did my child pray the right prayer? My confidence right. is, 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 let me take it to an even larger level. Is right. God right in what he does? Be, right. And because of my belief in the sovereignty of God, I have to say yes. And, and my, I am, I am not going to, because I haven't had it happen, I don't know, but I would hope that I'm not going to wrestle with, is that child in heaven or not? based on something that they have done, but can I trust God whether or right not? Thing. Right. Which yeah. brings up another question we've not really discussed. We've mentioned age of accountability. Yeah. Define your view of that for me. Well, I don't believe in it. Okay. Yeah, I don't believe in an age of accountability. I I believe that, and and, and this, is a, this is extra biblical, Okay. In the sense of that, I, you can't find the doctrine necessarily in Scripture. Although I think I think Romans one somewhat speaks to it, but there's an age of understanding 
you know, what do I do with the person who is mentally challenged to the point that they just cannot grasp the gospel? Right. You know, are they sinners? I absolutely believe that they're born in sin. Right. But they, in a sense, cannot reject God to the same level that somebody who's cognizant right. may be able to that, do right. that. And so the same thing would be true, I think, of a child that, you know, is not old enough to grasp the understanding. Now, God is doing something in his grace there if indeed he saves them, which I believe he does. Um, again, based on a, on, a, on, a, on a pattern of theology versus one verse or something along those lines, which is what you have to do when you're saying you believe in the Trinity, right? right. So, But I, I think that an age of understanding... Um, so e- even in having lost children to miscarriage, um, right. I, I, at the end of the day, have to say I trust God. Right. Whatever God does is right, and so I believe that those kids are in heaven, those three that we lost in utero. Okay. But my confidence isn't in anything other than um, in God. And, 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 if I, and if I get to heaven and discover that I was wrong, God is still right. Right. Does that make sense? No. I would, I would agree, and I, I think that's the difficult part. I think – and I've, I've actually preached a sermon for a, a girl who was catastrophically mentally handicapped. Mm-hmm. And talking through that she was not innocent in any sense. She was a sinful person, and mm-hmm. people acknowledge that. And mm-hmm. it, w- it would have to be God deciding of his own grace to apply mm-hmm. his salvation to that person. Right, right, yeah. yeah. Which, again, we can go to the whole Calvinism thing in election, but that's not really relevant here. Well, I mean, the issue is the, the conduit of faith has not been exercised quote unquote right. by that person in a in a visible way um so you know salvation is by grace alone through faith alone and Christ alone for God's glory alone um you know so so we we do run into something there theologically that we just have to again i think just trust god that in, he is right it ends up in the, in the mystery aspect right because i mean yeah. if we apply for instance looking at the age of an accountability and I do not in any way say this lightly, but mm-hmm. I, this is from someone else. With the way we have an age of accountability built up sometimes, abortion's our greatest evangelistic tool. Yeah, and I know I know what you're saying in that because yeah. that's crossed my mind too. Right. If we really believe that our kids are going to go to heaven regardless until this age, then we should have no problem letting, you know, them, go. letting them go or... or I mean, not that anybody would cognizantly do this, but why not just make sure they're in heaven and kill them? You know, I mean, I hate to put that it so crassly, yeah. <laughs> but right, I understand you know, what you're saying. But on the other side of that is trusting God, not in what mankind has done, and, and that's where I think you know, going to the the uh, argument of Calvinism, it, it is more comforting that God is the one who is is Makes electing sense determination, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, cool. Um, well, that's, yeah. That's all I have today on, on, on this. Okay, good. I, I, I imagine we may get some responses on, on this And we one. may have to do a second episode on this one because I think we I think we traveled down a few pathways and just just got to the edge and, and didn't get maybe, – maybe we're at the edge of a cliff and some people are ready to push us <laughs> off. But um, it, is, it is a difficult, difficult thing to talk about. Um, but rather than approach it through emotion, we need to approach it through the scriptures. And I think the, the lesson – for any of us, is that we need to be um, preaching the gospel, proclaiming the gospel faithfully to our children from, 
you know, uh, from the time that they're born, if we uh, could put it that way, to right. uh, as much as we have an influence over them in those years. And um, I do think, though, we can offer comfort, and, and the only comfort that we can offer is that God is good right. and that he is just and that he is right in whatever he decides. Right. So any other thoughts, Karen? No, no, that's, okay. that's good, man. Well, if you would like to uh, roast us on... <laughs> We're on Twitter, a platform. too. You, yeah. can, you can reach us on uh, Twitter. Uh, you can certainly go to our website, walkcarpradio.wordpress.com, or go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash radio and leave your comments or questions there. Uh, we certainly know that this topic is not an easy one and one that causes all kinds of, of conversation, and so we welcome that. And uh, if you'd like for us to do a follow-up episode on this, give us some of your questions, and, and we would love to do that. Uh, Otherwise, we'll see you next time. Take care. God bless.